yes, yes, yes. This is the Real Talk, Real Walk family. We are back with another episode. Yes. Back to bring you another topic of energy. Mm. Come on. Another episode of quality. Okay. Another episode of da da da. <laughs> another episode of vibrations. Yes. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, your friends, your mother and fathers. <laughs> right. Do you know what? I forgot this part in it. Back with myself, Gabs. Myself, Mr. Game Changer. And it's your girl, Ori. Done now. Right. So today we're going to be talking about racism in the workplace. Hmm. Syphilitic parochialism. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, obviously, we see what's what's been happening out there. The Black Lives Matter, mm. um, all of the the, the the days that's been happening out there mm. um, that we've spoken about off off air. Mm. So, let's really talk about the racism in the workplace because I think, obviously, um, I think it's definitely something that probably doesn't get spoken about enough. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know we always hear about racism in schools. Mm. We always hear about um, racism in like shopping centers or racism in different areas, but. Very rare do we do we speak about racism in the workplace. Um, not sure why that is, but we can obviously touch upon why we think that is. Um, so I'm going to come to you, or I'm going to start with you. And I think an, an, a nice place to start is talking on microaggressions. Hmm. Microaggressions. Do you know what? I've got notes at the ready. Only because, <laughs> only because I literally, after this whole Black Lives Matter thing, I contacted my workplace and I was like, what are you people saying? Like, it's been two days. Everybody's tired and frustrated and you guys have not issued anything. And my team in particular is very, very ethnically diverse, both from a black perspective and an Asian perspective. But obviously, I'm only talking about black people because we don't <laughs> like the term fame. <laughs> so, Trust me. So after I did that, the lady, um, she literally called me like within 10 minutes and was like, okay, what should we do? Let's do a workshop. This, was, this must have been like last week, Tuesday. By Thursday, we had this Black Lives Matter workshop and, oh and, she, wow. and, and um, they made me speak on microaggressions. So I'm basically just going to repurpose my notes and we're going to talk about microaggressions today today. Okay, and also, brilliant, brilliant, <laughs> before we even start, shout out to the girl who um, DM'd me on Twitter and asked us to speak on racism in the workplace. So this is for you. <laughs> but okay, so <laughs> microaggressions, yeah, are basically subtle instances of racism so to speak and I've got like eight examples because unless you if you don't break this thing down people will never understand yeah what microaggressions are so let's start with for us black girls when you change your hair and okay. you go from weave to braids and you come into the office and everyone's like wow so how did you like interweave your real hair with the extensions where does the extension stop and where does your real hair start mm. Wow. <laughs> that just reminded me my sister actually let me not even bait out who this was <laughs> one of my friends um a braid her, her braid fell off at work oh, wow. and the next day they put the braid on her desk wow. <laughs> like it was a gift wow. that is a microaggression <laughs> As in they, they planted their braid and back on the table put the, blade, the braid on her desk ready for her wow. like oh you left this yesterday <laughs> 
That's a disrespect, you know. I can't lie. That's, a that's, a vibe. Vibe. that's an outright racist. That's, that's a violation. Right. No, I can't lie. That's, that's racist, yep. Um, <laughs> another example is one of my friends. He had his Afro touched at work and without asking, that's wow. also a microaggression. Okay. And once mm. they did that, they said it felt like carpet. Do you know you can't be prosecuted for that? That's eh? a microaggression. Wow. Oh, it feels Jesus. like carpet. That's microaggression. Wow. Ah, Jesus. Yeah, this is, that's this is why I said I'm not going to talk too much on this thing because me. Mm-hmm. I have, listen, I literally have like ten examples here. I could literally talk until tomorrow, but I won't. Of of microaggressions after micro real life stories of people that I know or me personally, this has happened to. Wow. I've got um, if this has happened, this must have happened to everyone. When you when your colleague, your white colleague, goes on holiday and then they come back and they're like, "Oh, I'm almost as tanned as you," and you're comparing tans and you're like, "Sis, wow. absolutely not." Whilst yours <laughs> might be. Temporary. This is the skin I'm in. This is this is who I am. This, I'm wow. black and I'm brown. It's not the same thing. That's a microaggression mm-hmm. for me as a woman and as a black woman. And I think a lot of us black women might struggle with this in the workplace, especially if you work in a corporate environment. Is having to suppress your emotions or second guessing how you're going to communicate because you're worried somebody's going to call you angry, right. aggressive, or defensive. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? This has happened to me on several occasions because I'm very outspoken. I say how I feel and I don't mess about with it. Like it is, it is what it is. And for me, I've had to really try to learn to communicate carefully or just to suppress how I feel. And it's to be honest, it's, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't, because I tried to do that and I, I still got told I'm defensive mm. when people work with me and I've tried not to do that. And I've still been told you come across as aggressive. So wow. either way, I've just listened, I've just decided I'm just going to be me and is any this, environment. Is this by management? Sorry, is this by managers or is this by like other people? Everyone, like anyone that yeah, just anyone you've worked with. Some it's not it's not every job I've ever worked in, and it's not with everybody I've ever worked with, which just goes to show that it can't be true if some people are saying it and some people aren't. But it's just if you're if you get given a piece of feedback, maybe for. Um, a job that you did and someone said well you didn't do it properly and then you ask okay why did I not do it properly this is what you told me to do and this is what I've done somebody might take that and be like well you're just being defensive because they don't Mm. actually have an answer for you as to what you did wrong Mm, it's true but we're saying if a a white person wants to do it then they won't get that uh, defensive card they might, if, if a white person was to ask the same question, they okay, what did I do wrong? Yeah, it might not necessarily, they won't get the same feedback as, as as you're angry or you're defensive. Yeah, it's true. Do you know what, yeah, on that, it's mad, yeah, that we actually have to suppress our emotions or suppress our feelings so that we're, so that we are not judged in a specific way, i.e. aggressive, loud and stuff like that. Because um, it's not like, people have told us, all right, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't be emotional, you can't show your feelings. Mm. But there's just something within the corporate world that indirectly or almost subconsciously tells us we have to suppress these things. Even down to like our accents. Like my accent at work is completely a different accent. It's not the accent (laughs) I use when I speak to you or when I speak to my friends, when I speak to my family. Mm. The other day, (laughs) it's the accent I use on Insta story, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Today, we made <laughs> bath bombs. I'm going to show you an instruction. <laughs> Step one. Bro, that, that's the exact accent, bro. The accent I put on on 85% of my Insta stories, that's the accent I, I use at work. It's that exact accent. Wow. <laughs> so why, why, why do you use, why do you use that, why do you use that accent? What, why, or, you know, how does you it make you feel? Have? For me personally, yeah, 
I subconsciously feel like I've got to talk in a way that they will respect. Okay. Because if I if I talk in a way that I talk to you, they probably yeah. might not respect it. They probably start saying jokes about me being from the hood or me being from the roads or me having a tough upbringing okay. or my background but being you know inadequate. What's interesting? They don't say that to somebody who comes from up north. Half of the people I work with are not from London. They move right. here. I mean, this is everyone, like especially, for example, from a, from a graduate perspective. Yeah. Half of the graduates that I have in my office... They're not from London. They didn't grow up in London. They might have grown up in Bristol, in Yorkshire. Some of them will have those accents because they're not from London. But no mm-hmm. one says to them, because they don't speak with a London accent, in inverted commas, that yeah. they're hood or that they grew up in in a, a rough around the edges area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some a question, you know. <laughs> even, even some of your colleagues that I've seen you share on Instagrams, these guys are speaking Cockney, bro. They're not speaking Queen's English. So I'm quite, yeah. I'm kind of surprised that you're even saying what you're saying because... Obviously, I don't work with you, but from what I've seen mm. of your colleagues, they don't speak yeah. English. So to be yeah, to but, be fair, those colleagues, yeah, but obviously I'm not in that team anymore. But okay. those colleagues, I can keep it all the way 100. But it took me a while to get to that level. Obviously, I've been in my company for I think just under seven years now. Yeah, okay. It took me a while to get to that level with those colleagues. By the way, it, it took me a while to get that level, get to that level where I can be myself so to speak okay so now i'm at a point where when i speak to them oh uh, yeah they will see me for who i am right i will joke with them in the way that i do they've got my insta so they know what i'm like in it so right. it, I, I, they, they can't see me at work and me put on that accent for them because they're gonna think well gabs hold on we see you on insta this yeah. is not you, yeah, not you. Yeah. Yeah. so with those people who have my insta i keep it all the way 100 with okay. them because yeah. obviously they're some of them are like my mates now but mm-hmm. the ones that are not my mates yeah, those people. I've got to come on this this English English boy English accent kind of thing. <laughs> but I think it got to a point though where I thought, you know, this is long, Gabs. This is actually long that yeah. you're doing up English yeah. for people that appear as your mates. Do you know what I mean? Right. So that's why now when I speak to them, like my colleagues, a few of them, there's only a few of them. Now when I speak to them, I speak to them as I would normally speak to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, they they don't understand the lingo, they don't understand the slang, but I teach them. I bring them along the way okay. because it's either I'm coming into your world or you're gonna have to come to my world. Right. Okay. Mm. And I think until until we kind of change that mindset of I need to adapt to your world, I need to adapt to this Oibo world, I need to adapt to this English world. My name is John Smith, and <laughs> I, I need to change my my being. Then we're always going to be stuck in a cycle. So yeah. I just thought to myself, you know, all of this is long. You're going to, if me and you're going to be friends, you need to come to my world, innit? You're going to need to understand what it is to walk in our shoes a right. little bit. Right. I hear that, but I think, and I've said this to you before, I think it's different for black boys in the corporate industry than it is, or black men, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. oh, yeah. Than it is for black women in the corporate industry. I think black men are fetishized. Um, if that's, I don't even know how to pronounce that word, but yeah, black yeah. men, I think. I think they're festivized in the workplace. People think that they're cool or that, you know, like they can rap or they can dance. Again, that's a micro. That's again, at work. And they're like, and I don't know, Chris Brown comes on and they're like, oh, I bet you can rap. That's a microaggression. And people I'm done. I'm done. Hey, mate. Can you dance like Chris Pratt? Literally. I'm still talking very well. I won't give a bunch of to say anything. Are you like, can you rap? Can you rap the chorus of um, Tupac? Or can you rap Biggie Juicy? You know yeah. what I mean? That's, yeah. that's a microaggression. I'm and done. people, because of how they see black culture and black yeah. men, yeah. they I, I feel like when black men come into the workplace 
yeah. they are themselves, like you said, people will think, oh, that's so cool. Like, oh my gosh. But when a black woman comes, it's absolutely not cool. It's mm. not, they don't have that same level of um, mm-hmm. admiration, so to speak. Mm. So, Eva, what do you think of that? Obviously, bit of backstory. Me and Aura had this conversation like a few months ago, or whatever. Yeah, and um, she was. It was me and my wife, and then Aura and her husband. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, Aura and my wife was like, "Oh yeah, um, you black men, you don't get it lucky." Blah blah blah. Yeah. And obviously, me and Aura's husband was like, "No, no, no, we don't." Like, what's the what's what's the difference? We're all black. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what's your views on the topic of? Black men being fetishized in the workplace in comparison to black women. You know what? I, I, you know what? I, I totally hear what Ora is saying, but black guys, black men, we do get it. We, even though I think this is the way I see. Even though we get fetish, fetishized, or however you call it, <laughs> it's. I feel like we, because we don't want to be seen as aggressive we've had to play along with it. But for the past, past couple of years, I can't lie, me, I'm on this raggle thing. I'm not going to, you can't run that Chris Brown joke with me because I'm not, I'm not moving. You can't run the, do you listen to Bob Marley thing? That's not working with me. You can't run the, oh, your, your accent or your beard or your whatever. No, you're not running that with me or your face is too shiny, bruv. You're not running that with me because after a while, I learned that me, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person, what you see is what you get. So I'm not here to pretend. When I first got into the corporate world, I'm there speaking like somebody I've never spoken like before so that I feel like I can be accepted. And to be honest, I don't perform well. I don't deliver well when I'm, I feel like I'm pretending. So for black guys, mm. there's this whole thing of, yeah, like even though they might make the joke of, yeah, you know, he's funny. He, you know, he reminds me of Will Smith or I bet he's a rapper. I bet he listens to Jay-Z or stuff like that. We've had to go along with that just so that we can feel accepted. The going to drinks, we like a lot of guys that I know, they may not drink. And they may not necessarily want to go out for drinks because that's long. Why am I going to get drinking uh, to drink and get wasted? That's not me. I've got to go to a Bible study. I've got to go to a football. What am I doing here? Getting drunk on a Thursday, sharing secrets and gossiping about who's sleeping in the office with so-and-so. So for me, mm. I never went to those things because what's my interest in gossiping? There's only times when I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't want to feel like I'm too like, out of the the team or two out of the loop let me go from time to time but i don't always want to do that so i do feel like it's not necessarily the same i think the commonality is that one there's there's the whole black piece but even things like okay for for the ladies do you think think that black men black men are admired by white people in comparison to black women admired (laughs) being admired by white people admired Mm, mm. obviously it's another another word for fetish fetish isn't it admired I, I i don't know you know because i feel like there's this whole i feel like there's still the subtle okay these black guys they're smart they're intelligent are they coming to take our job sort of thing um yeah i think that is true and i don't mean when i say the men are admired i didn't obviously don't mean to take away from at the end of the day we're all black so regardless yeah. of else, people are always going to see you as black first yeah i but i but i do hear what i is saying that is i think maybe what i might be describing is that i think men it might be easier for men to get away with it but i think that's more not got to do with color mm. per se i think that's maybe got to do with maybe misogyny and you know sexism in the workplace especially yeah, in the corporate world so mm. I, th- I think it's more on that rather because the black piece they do think that especially us black guys they do they definitely do think that especially if you're from london or if you're african bruv they're gonna try and take the mick 
They do try and take the mic. So for me, I learned how to play the game. Me, I study microaggressions in emails. Mm -hmm. I see when you're spelling my name wrong, even though my name is in... <laughs> Is in the thing you're calling me Emmanuel with two L's and and two E's at the end, or you're calling me Emmanuel uh, with an M rather than starting with E double M. I'm watching all those things because when I when someone says your name wrong or your name is your name is uh, Danny and someone calls you Daniel, you'll be very quick to pick it up. But you you like mm. to mess around with my name, mess around with my surname. Oh, your your name's a bit exotic. Your name's a bit tropical. No, it's not tropical. I'm not tropical. running like that. And you know what? You know what? That's happened quite enough times for me to go, yeah. you know what? Enough is enough. Me, I'm not having... So me, I'm raggle. When I clock nonsense in the email, I'll go, excuse me, If are you in the office today? Can we meet up? Fantastic. Do you know Let's what? I've, I've deeped it though, yeah. I've deeped it. I think a lot of it, a lot of it for these people is they see it as banter. They think it's all fun and games. Like, they think it's all like, oh yeah, let's just have a laugh. Do you know what I mean? No, not they with my name, bro. In general, though, in general, and it's not that I defend them. I'm trying to look at it from their perspective. They generally see it as banter. And to be fair, I kind of see it as that way too. It's only until I saw that thread on racism in the workplace the other day. That's when I thought, hold on. Are you serious? It took you until then to realise that. That's, honestly, honestly. that's what I'm thinking. Because, wow. bro, I, I, clocked it, I clocked it from time. Like, little things like, oh, your beard, like, your beard's proper long. Like, don't shave it. I'm like, bruv, like, God gave me hair on my chin for a reason. I'm not going to cut it off because it suits a particular narrative. Like, I look in the workplace and predominantly most of the guys that have beards beards sorry are are asians middle easterns and and black guys there are white guys who do who do you know have their beards and like very long but the rest of them clean clean shaven that whole clean look and then you're coming with your beard even though it's not rough you've put your oil on it whatever like whenever i, I step into an office space everyone will notice that okay iman's beard is shining mm. okay he's looking fresh he's looking good but it's that it's little things like that that make you go look like i'm here to do a job that first of all we're here to do something that's professional so one i'm not here to banter with you guys and i'm not gonna because if you deep it yeah the thing is this i think i i told you about this example where last year i went i went out um, with some um, some people in the team that um, yeah in the team that I was working within and um, Asian guy was like they were they were bantering and stuff they were talking about Pakistan and Bangladesh and um, me when I, I when racism is in the air me I keep my mouth quiet because me, if I if I open my mouth it's mad it's mad <laughs> so they were making fun of, they were making fun of this Bangladeshi guy and they were making fun of uh, a Pakistani guy that and both of them were born in British so yeah um and they were laughing they were joking and me I'm going if imagine if I wasn't there and they make they were making fun of me I don't know if they can do it in front of these man's faces they definitely can be doing it behind their back so then the Pakistani guy goes to me oh Emmanuel um I'm sure you don't mind a bit of casual racism I said, ah. I said, me, I said, me, I said, bro, not me. I said, not me. <laughs> the conversation changed because the guy saw my face and, and the way I responded, I said, bros, I said, not me. And, and then, um, um, there was, there was, um, one of, one of the colleagues, she was a white lady. She was in front. She was like, you know, the only reason why I was ban um, bantering, you know, him was, you know, we've worked together before and, you know, he allows it. I said, that's good. That's between you and him. I said, as for me, I said, as, as for me, that's not, that's not running. 
I literally, I locked off the whole conversation. Everyone's mood shifted. And I was like, look, I don't care if I'm going to be the party pooper, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to be in a place where you're going to be making fun of people's culture and then having a laugh about it. And then someone, will, someone that is meant to be of this Bane community will now tell me, I'm sure you don't mind casual racism. What on earth are you yeah, talking about? Man. Did my mum? You know, I, I think with the, I think with the casual racism thing, they definitely see it as a joke, especially on night science as well. Like it's always night science when when the banter flows and the banter flies. Do you know what I mean? And unless you're privy to it, you'll definitely have no idea. Like I genuinely, literally, just thought it was banter, and it's probably because of my upbringing. Right, do you know what I mean? Right. I think because of I've brought up in all I know is banter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everything is banter in the hood. Is banter. Secondary school, everyone's cussing matches galore. Yeah. So. I've always kind of been privy to banter. So even receiving this casual racism in the workplace, I would just laugh it off. Do you know what I mean? It was right. always fun and games. It was ha-ha. Like, words don't ever really get to me. Like, it's it's going to take a lot for somebody to try and affect me with words. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I hear, it comes to I banter, hear that, bro. I really... I hear once that. Once it was, okay. with banter, like, I really, I really get offended. So I was always none the wiser. Do you know what I mean? Even, I remember a night out when one of my colleagues said I got a big penis. And that's obviously because of the colour of my skin. <sighs> do you know what I mean? But even that year, like, even man. even that year, I was just like, oh, ha, ha, laugh it off. But it's only obviously with everything going on right now, and I see that thread, <laughs> I said, nah, I've experienced some of these things, and I never knew. So now I feel like I've had a light bulb moment. Do you know what I mean? Oren <laughs> no, like needs to chat to Gabs because what you've been allowing really your colleagues to do, yeah, that, bruv, that's, I can't lie, that's, that's nonsense, bruv. I get the whole banter piece. But I just feel like, especially in a corporate world, like there is. I was, was going to say, nah, man, they've taken the liberties, bro. They've taken the liberties. Yeah, we've just got away with murder for sure, and we just laugh it off because we want to keep our, our job. Yeah, but there's levels to it as well. You don't. The thing is, you don't actually have to laugh it off, and you can say it in a like, for example, for me, when I did that thing at work, as much as I had, I took issue with the fact that I even had to do that in the first place, Yeah, I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder, okay. that I was able to give examples of microaggressions, and I was basically subtly saying, don't do that to me anymore, <laughs> like I'm done with it, if yeah. you want to have a conversation with me about why that's wrong, I, you, I'm, I'm more than open to that, but stop it, it's not right, I think though the problem is when you're in a corporate environment it is difficult to strike a balance between joking with somebody so you because you, you want to get promoted because at the end of the day there is an element of office culture so that the people that get promoted are the people that you see key keying with the senior manager the people mm, that get right. promoted and Eman, you were talking about not going to the pub but promotions i've said this so many times and i say it on my twitter as well promotions are made in the pub at the end of the day to an extent those what you do outside of your working hours and who you who you are comfortable with at work, especially in a corporate environment. It's not the same in every environment. I don't know. There, there could be mm. people who work in NHS. It's not going to be the same. But mm. from a corporate financial services environment, which is the industry I work in, and that's the only one I can speak on, yeah. to an extent, you have to be able to um, kind of laugh around with your colleagues and be able to, you have to familiarise yourself with them a little bit outside of just your regular nine to five. Because from a white person's perspective, that is part of their social life yeah basically we have to waffle basically and, yeah and it's, it's a balance you don't need to be rude about it but you can also that you also don't have to accept certain things like the other day i was on a client call yeah and i'd only ever communicated with this client via email mm-hmm. so he, he'd only seen my name spelled out he didn't know how to pronounce it so on the call he was calling me oh and i had to be like 
sorry, just to correct wow. you there, I know we've, you know, and I said to him, I had to be like, I know we've only spoken over email, so I understand that you might not necessarily know how to pronounce my name, but it's Ore. And this was a client call, and I was terrified because I was like, oh my gosh, what if the client doesn't want to work with me anymore? But when you get to a point where you decided, I'm done with accepting this because otherwise people are not going to learn, yeah. I'll run. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's definitely true. We definitely do need to obviously stand and make a difference. If not, um, it will continue, and people will continuously feel like it's acceptable, especially if we're laughing with them. Like, do you know what I mean, take it from me, I've definitely laughed. With a lot of with a lot of casual racism, I've laughed with a lot of it, thinking that yeah, it's not that deep. But I think obviously now I've come to the understanding and realization that yeah, like Ora said, you can definitely put your foot down and say yeah, enough is enough. One doesn't actually have to take this. Do you know what I mean one doesn't actually have to accept this? If not, one's gonna believe that it's right. Yeah. And I think in regards to the pub, like I definitely hear that point. Mm-hmm. I'm really not on it, especially because I don't drink. I'm yeah. proper not I on it. Like I proper hate all of that. Yeah. Um, but I definitely understand that this is this is like the I mean I don't want to say this is the lifestyle they they like and the lifestyle they live because obviously not all white people go to the pub but a lot of a lot of it is it is that do you know what I mean it, it's always Friday night pub Friday night out Friday night this Friday night that and I think that's probably where a lot of the banter flies and especially when when alcohol is in abundance yeah um, the banter just flows do you yeah, know what I mean casual racism just flows yeah but then that doesn't doesn't that show you something then. Especially when the drinks come out, that 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 tells a lot because the drink the the drinks only make it easier for for yeah, people to show who they really yeah what they really yeah. think about you, you know, mm. like you know like I think I think about like Christmas parties and work parties and stuff like that, and people like start you know, you know I've I've always thought this about you and I thought that about you and you know. You know, you're you're really mm. cool for a black guy. Like who did it? What? So hey. what? Like no, bruv, like okay, no, no. What? That one we have to fight, bruv. So, As they meet me outside, didn't it? So <laughs> I, th- this is this is what I'm saying, bro. So like for me, that's my my whole approach changed. That like if if I if I feel like I'm not being valued in the workplace, or if I see some guys they're taking liberties, and then someone wants to act funny with me um for for doing this for doing something similar like i remember there was um i remember my first my first actual job in a corporate world was a managerial role and i remember getting it and the reason the reason why i actually lost that 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 managerial contract was because i sent an email late and um they did a whole investigation on it um to like to check the times and whatever that i sent it and everything and one thing I did was when they were actually doing doing the investigation, I found out that all the other managers that were meant to send a report, out of six, out of six, so including me was seven, out of seven of us, only one had sent the email on time. I hadn't sent it on time. I got done for. The 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 rest of them got away scot-free. So people were like, oh yeah, you're going to take this to tribunal or whatever. So I picked it up with them. And they were like, okay, yeah, this thing is going to take about yeah, six months or so. It's going to be a long case, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And I thought, okay, you know what? This whole thing is going to be long and it's going to take a bit of time. And I don't know I don't know how the company are going to, they might play some games in terms of make up an excuse as to why, you know, they released me or whatever. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to allow it. So I took that L. But in the long term, I was thinking, in, in, or in the long run, I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to take this, I'm going to, learn from this and begin to to start playing smart so if i'm yeah. if if anything i get the whole relationship building thing don't get me wrong i do i relate and connect but 
like jokes in general, there has to be a level of trust and understanding before, especially me, before I bust a joke with you, there has to be a level of understanding and reasoning. I'm not just going to joke with anybody, even like to just try and fit in. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather conversate with you, get to know you a bit more and then know how we can connect and relate. If it's by banter, there's certain guys we know it's just banter, banter. There's certain guys we know it's just intellectual speech. Certain guys, we just know that it's a high and by thing. But at the end of the day, you just have to know one another. So for me, I've learned along the way. I've learned in in physical conversation or physical, um, what do you call it? Um, not conflicts, but um, conflict resolution and then via email. I've learned it, but there's, there's still a lot to learn. I just feel like for black people in the workplace, especially women, even not even for women as well, even not just the hair thing as well. I feel I feel like in a workplace like, Black women, especially in the corporate world, have had to step yeah. on on eggshells in a sense of things like dressing, for example. So, like body shapes oh. and stuff like that. They are like they're automatic. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, she's Beyonce or she's Nicki Minaj because oh, she's got a big really? bum or big breasts. Like they're oh, so it's kind of like what is it that a black woman has to do in a workplace before she gets respect? Do you understand? Black girls, I think, can be a struggle. Is beauty standards and i say from a like a like i want to give examples without saying names so i might i might have a colleague yeah who is a female white blonde blue-eyed conventionally slim conventionally pretty kind of colleague and i can see her flirting with the managers and the senior managers and kiki oh my i'm gonna speak on this thing going out for drinks with them i mean Gabs has, Gabs has seen this. <laughs> I have, you know, I know a colleague that she might, she will go out. I don't want, I don't want to say too much. So like, speak, speak your speech. You know, speak, speak my colleague speech. ends up listening to my podcast. What am I gonna say? But anyway, to be honest, it's the truth. <laughs> um, I might have. We, I have a colleague who's married, and he smokes. My blonde colleague goes on cigarette breaks. She doesn't smoke with this guy every single day. When you know for a fact. <laughs> That people, they're bad. Flirting and bantering and kicking. So when they're going on their cigarette breaks, he can be mm. giving her advice. Oh, get in with this guy because with this colleague, if you if you do the right thing, you'll get promoted. And the way promotions work sometimes in the workplace, for example, the way promotions work in my company is very much like who you know. So all the managers will come together and have a conversation about you and decide whether or not you should get promoted based on how you interact and work with them. Okay. So this blonde girl, because obviously she has this conventional standards of beauty, she's in with the right people, she's kicking and flirting with the right people, that she's going to stick in their minds before I stick in their minds. Because I come in, I do my work, I might go for a couple of drinks because I know that I need to kind of try and play the system, so to speak. But I'm not, you're not going to catch me going on cigarette breaks and flirting with people. I'm just not going to do that. Right. Listen, some of your counterparts are sleeping with their bosses. 100. Let me put, speak, that, let me speak, put it out there speak now. It now. I have to put it out there Speak now. it, man. Some, some of these women are sleeping with some of their bosses, but That's nobody true. knows. 100. It's all people know. Some of them, people know. They just won't say anything. People well. know. No, bro, people know. You come the next day, you're wearing the same clothes you was wearing yesterday. You think people don't know? <laughs> My God, and you know, only bro, people love that. They'll wear, the, they'll bang the same oh, shirt, oh, like same shirt, same tie, same trousers, same dress, everything, same everything. They will know. So yeah, this is it's been sometimes it's not being a woman. 
you know, especially being a black woman and, you know, there's other aspects of colorism and beauty standards that come into place when you're thinking about, you know, like if you're if you're wearing braids and then the white people are telling you like straight hair is nice and then your blonde colleague has straight hair it can really begin to frustrate and get to you and that in and of itself can be demotivating in how well you do your job and again if, if your performance starts to slip now that's another problem so how how did so you, no go through bro go through with like the beauty with the beauty thing like i don't know if i'm if my question even makes sense but like how do you feel in regards to like how white women appear physically to like how black women appear physically so like how white women dress in comparison to how black women dress hmm. dresses at work i th- <laughs> i think for example so if the the to the example that i was just giving this this girl with a long blonde tall hair i think she can get away with wearing a lot shorter skirt yep 100 she's slim and tall mm-hmm. so it doesn't necessarily have a, a look that kind of looks a bit inappropriate mm-hmm. whereas if a mm. black girl was to wear um, a, a, a tiny skirt with thick hips and bum and throughout mm. the course of the day is wide is rising up or even like a button-up shirt with buttons if you've got big breasts and you've got um your shirt has buttons the middle two buttons sometimes can just disgrace you when you're in the office <laughs> <laughs> no. and then you know if you get something a size that's too big it doesn't look cute it, it, there's a lot of things that we have to consider as well when it comes to dressing and being told this is inappropriate i mean personally I've never been told that. And I think it is quite easy to to dress. Like I just go for stretchy stuff because nobody can really disgrace you when you wear stretchy stuff. Yeah. But it, mm. it's a thin line, really. No, but sis, yeah. can I be honest? Can I be honest? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't lie. I personally feel, from my personal experiences, I personally feel like Oibo sisters, they take the mic. They can wear, it's not even necessary. They, they take, I feel like they're more inclined or more likely to wear stuff that is yeah, seductive definitely. and definitely. pushing the boundaries. Are black... shopping in Hobbs? Is it Hobbs? <laughs> where where they're, they're shopping in Hobbs and Victoria's Secret. They shopping like but... Caramillan, all these different places. Hundred pound a dress, Bruh. But it's if anything, I feel like they pu- they push the boundaries more than um, our, our black sisters. Um, I know it's a strong generalization, but that's that's what I've seen most of my. I my think work. that tends to be like a lot of the younger colleagues, like maybe grads or people who just a, a little bit more junior in their career I think at the manager and the senior when girls start to get a bit more serious and when they're when you're climbing the corporate ladder and you've passed a certain stage I think that kind of goes away and also it depends what, on the real mm. yeah I think so <laughs> there's women age 30 oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. there's oibo women age 30 that are still wearing tight up body contour trust me yeah, 40 true. years old as well sis I've it's seen it no, I agree with you. I think because I work in a client-facing environment. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, just, yeah. Like, a lot of the time, many people come to, to work dressed, ready to go to the client. And I think right. there's just certain things that you're not going to do if you're going to a client. It's going to look bad. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't see it as much. But when I, when I worked in previous companies where I wasn't client-facing, I definitely saw it. I've heard, yeah, I've definitely, I definitely saw it. Yeah, I guess it obviously depends on, on the team that you're in and the department that you're in, to be yeah. fair. Um, within the corporate world itself because like you said if you're back office and you don't really have to step out of the office to go yeah. see clients then you're likely going to wear whatever you feel comfortable in or whatever you want to wear mm-hmm. it's mad though that obviously black women can't wear certain things that the Oibo women can wear um and and if they do they get looked at differently i mean we hear the whole um even black women amongst themselves black women who are slim may be able to may not be able to wear 
no black black yeah. black women who are thick may not be able to wear certain things that black slim women will be able to wear. So even amongst ourselves, there's already a difficulty and a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a workplace, in comparison to Oibo women, that one obviously it, it is obviously a bit mad because we know that Oibo women can definitely be looked at in a different way. And that might have an effect on things like promotions or how colleagues are treated and stuff like that. It definitely like that. does. If if anyone's telling you it doesn't have an effect on promotion, they're lying to you because it's just the way... It's Don't let them the tell you it's the favour of God. Because Yeah, no, it really is just the way... And I think to an extent, like, you you have to learn to play the game or you're going to get got. It's yeah. just the bottom line. Yeah, 100. 100. Mm. I was going to say, all right, how did your, after the, um, after the, the workshop with the masterclass that you did, how was that received? Um, uh, did you, did you see like p- people cringing? Um, did people receive it well? Everybody's cameras were off, but <laughs> from what I did get a few emails, it wasn't, it was, so it was me and then a, a few other black colleagues and it was all of us who had actually expressed concern that okay. the firm hadn't said anything and hadn't, kind of put out this Black Lives Matter and the thing that frustrated even when they did put out the Black Lives Matter thing they came to add one Asian partner who I've never seen in my life <coughs> to do the communication which optically looks bad yeah. in and of itself okay. but I think generally people people some people were beginning to get it and they were like oh this is really informative I had no idea that this is these things are microaggressions okay one thing I want to talk about though while okay. we're here is is HR and being black and going to HR because I think hmm. there's people who Speak are going to HR expecting HR to be in their favor, and the reality is sometimes HR is not for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is that? Because HR, unless HR is black or unless HR is well trained on microaggressions, and I think even the term microaggressions, I was talking to someone who said they just learned someone black who just learned what microaggressions means this mm-hmm. year who mm-hmm. are only just now waking up to these things mm-hmm. and how it's wrong and institutional racism black people and well black people we've been knowing but white people in particular yeah are only oh. now just waking up to what microaggressions are institutional racism and how it works and how it exists obviously we know that there's been reports in the past that have said i think there's a, a government report that said after Stephen lawrence um inquiry that openly said that the British police are institutionally racist and this has been since like early 2000 so it's, yeah. the, the term has been common but people have not necessarily always been educated and I think insofar as HR and corporate environments there's still a lot of work to be done in educating HR on what these things look like yeah. so for example even your situation that you were talking about Iman where you mm-hmm. said that you got dismissed because you sent an email late mm-hmm. and when you and when you try to say like how come I'm the only one that's picked up on this? And when they said to you, oh, it's going to take six months, that in and of itself was probably, there was probably some kind of racist intentions behind that, simply because they might not say that to a white person and they're trying to, they were probably trying to discourage you from from bringing a case. Because yeah, basically. That. So um, I think in situations like that, when it comes to reporting things to HR, mm. I don't know, unless you know that HR is for you, mm-hmm you're probably better off either just trying to find a way to manage the situation without getting HR involved, or if possible, and if you're able to, potentially looking for another role. Does mm. th- does this suggest that there's not enough black people in HR then? Bingo. I was I mean, just about to go there as well. Some, some friends in HR that are really trying, and but it's gonna take it's gonna take a while, like mm-hmm. for people to be educated and to have the resources to know 
what these kind of things look like in the workplace. And even HR, within HR departments, there's their own politics there as well. So even if there are black people in HR, mm-hmm. they're going to be facing the exact same problems and microaggressions that we've just been talking about. Being in yeah, HR, true. Yeah. I think it might. I think it might be a start, though, isn't it? If we yeah. did have more black people within HR, at least that way, we're we're a whole lot stronger rather than one in seven. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. And also, I think I feel like there's an opportunity here arising that if there's not, that means there's a gap in the market. That means that there's there's an opportunity for people who are skilled in maybe in doing master classes or training or people that are skilled Definitely. in HR to actually, you know, start offering services on uh, diversity and inclusion. Because if yeah. diversity and inclusion is going to be a, a, a buzzword in this generation, especially like, uh, I don't want to say on this episode, but yeah, if it's going to be a buzzword in this generation, especially in the workplace, then they, we, we need to make sure that we are represented there and not just, you know, particular parties. Because, you know, as it is like, you know, women in terms of sexism in the workplace, you've been trying for a hot sec and there have been, there has been some progress, but you know, as they say, it's, it's a man's world, especially in certain sectors. So it's, it's hard as it is already to try and push through that. But if you don't mm. have enough people representing your intentions at large, then, you know, it, it won't, it won't do much justice. And if you're only, if you only have like one day a year where you have women's awareness day or whatever, that means the the company or the organization are not really, really interested as much in, in making sure that your voices are being heard. So how much more black, you know, black people in the workplace. And I feel like Mm. now we've been, now that people have been raising their voice and saying, you know what, they've been speaking to their companies just like you did already. I think now that is an opportune time for, you know, more of this to happen. And even maybe it might be an opportunity for people to even go self-employed and start making money off this. Um, mm. If you do... I think with the companies, with the companies, I think it's definitely good, yeah, that companies are speaking out now. But I just hope and pray that they're not just speaking out just to cover their backs. Right. I hope that they're not speaking out just to show their their staff members that they actually care. Yeah. It's just like, all right, you can care. What do you do off the back of it? Mm. Yeah. Now that you've shown us that you care, what do you do now? Yeah. Because if... Within like my company, for example, yeah. roughly there's only five percent of black people within senior roles. Exactly. Wow. Even in my company. Wow. It's actually five percent. Wow. Five percent. Let alone like, obviously the women in the workplace, yeah. that's the next thing. Yeah. Like, the sexism in the work that, that that could be a whole episode. Yeah. But in terms of like black um people within senior roles only five percent wow so now my even my company has spoken out jeremy you know I mean? i'm not gonna clap for them but even my company has spoken out <laughs> as big as they are as big as they are they've they've spoken cool fair enough mm-hmm. i respect it however my thing is what do we do now like where do we go from here yes you've spoken you've announced you've written an article in the interchange but where do we go from here like what do we do now as a result you know what i mean are you now going to employ more black people within senior roles or are you just talking just to show your colleagues that you care like what like care can't just be uh, a thing where you just write an article and boom yeah everything prepares like it vanishes yeah. it's just like now we need to see a result are you going to be able to promote more black people than than you're currently doing so mm-hmm. are, are black people going to be comfortable to be themselves without being told we're aggressive or loud and mm-hmm. and stuff like that because if not we're going to be in the same place within a year's time yeah yeah 
I, I think with these through, things, though, it's, sorry, Amy, no, I go through, go through. It's going to take time. I don't think it's an overnight kind of thing. I'm not yeah. expecting to see change tomorrow because there is so much work to be done. Like, first of all, we talk about having more black people in HR. There's unconscious bias training that needs to come through and it needs to, the training needs to come not just from HR, but across every level, partners, mm -hmm. yeah. managers, people who, who are what we, what we would call in my office, counselling managers, so mm -hmm. people who directly have reports especially those who are ethnic minorities they need to be trained because they might not necessarily especially if, if i'm reporting to a white person mm -hmm. and he's and he's hearing all of these things he will not hear the same microaggressions that we're hearing he's just going to hear oh she's defensive because maybe that's just how she comes across so yeah. those people at those levels need to be trained beyond that we need to stop doing we need to stop grouping people together we need to stop we need to look at every um we need to look at every what's it called like each individual issue as individual issues and Indi not yeah right what i find people have a tendency to do and it really really annoys me if we're talking about an issue that concerns black people every other minority and i'm not talking racially even women will now come and oh well i've experienced discrimination as a woman i've experienced yeah. discrimination as a south african i've experienced <laughs> discrimination as an asian person yeah. and it's very frustrating because when you do that you're no longer able to individually see each issue for what it is. For what it is, yeah, that's good. Black issue. You're not able to see it as a woman's issue. You're not able to see it as a black woman's issue. All you're seeing is, oh, it's just discrimination and it looks different for women. It looks mm. different for Asian people. Yeah. Because they have their own discrimination. It looks different for people of different, um, let's say, even Europeans who yeah. might come from other countries and with all this Brexit narrative mm -hmm. and how maybe like Polish people, it looks different for everyone. And I think there's work to be done and looking at each one separately and looking at what you can do for each individual discrimination issue. Yeah. Word, word, word. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's a good point. I, I also think that I think it's not, it, it's good that, you know, companies, brands, organisations are doing all these things like to come out and say, that's cool. But I think now what happens is that we should hold them accountable. So if you do work for a company and they've said X, Y, Z, get them to sign something, get them to, you know, get them to commit to something, you know. And if they don't have time, write, write a proposal and say, you know, I'm proposing this. I'm proposing that based on what you said last week, uh, you know, that we want to we want to make sure that we hold you to your word and that at least... Uh, for every for every staff for all managers or for people in particular positions or whatever that they do this training at least once a year that we have um awareness focus groups or whatever a few times a year or maybe once a month and get the leaders get you know organizational leaders to 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 agree with something otherwise the change that we're expecting to see will will be a distant thing or may not come so i think that level of accountability and i think you just have to you now we now have to be proactive if we're seeing that them they're saying okay this is what we want to do hold them accountable now okay so what exactly you said that you you okay that black lives matter how do they matter how how are you going to make sure that we feel welcomed in this place how are we going to feel how are you going to ensure that you know uh, black people want to come or want to join this company because I was reading something the other day and a guy was like you know that if ever he he um, wants to join a company or whatever he looks at you know the metrics for you know ethnic minorities he looks at how they treat them mm -hmm. he looks at reports on how they you know treat them and how you know many um mm. how how many um what kind of yeah work. yeah the percentages and stuff like that so i feel mm. like now is a good time for you to just stand up and not just feel happy with a little email to just you know 
say, you know, okay, yeah, we, we stand with all black lives. Yes. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We're trying to, we're not just trying to see you say some nice and cute things. We want to see our brothers and our sisters get into to good jobs, get into good corporations, get into good companies ultimately. But the rate at which we're moving is just far too slow for me personally. So it's hard for me to try and find hope. Do you know what I mean? It's hard for me to try and and find hope in these companies that yes, one that there's going to come a point in time where several black companies are going to have forty five percent black colleagues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or black people in senior management roles. Like, it's, it's hard for me. Forty five percent because even the ratio of black people to white people in this country, I don't think it's up to forty five percent. So forty five percent would be unrealistic. Yeah, it would be unrealistic. Yeah, but, 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 like there's certain departments, yeah. Like there's loads of that's black true. People, though, saying that cleaners is probably, I mean? like you might have cleaners in my in my IT department. There's loads of like Asian people. Yep, that is. True. For example, there's bare black brothers and sisters, in, mainly brothers anyway, in Canary Wharf. All you Canary Wharf man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruv. Yeah, bro, we're, bro, we're, bro, we're not disputing that, bro. But we're talking about at what level are they at, bro? Yeah, but for example, yeah, everyone's screaming nowadays. Look on your, look on your, on your senior management board. Everyone's white, bro. Yeah, you're not seeing the black man who's working in Canary Wharf, bro. Bro, but you know what? I feel like a lot of guys are content. I feel like a lot of brothers are content. Like we're getting. But it's awful, awful, bro. To a degree, to, uh, to a degree, I'm not saying it's totally because there's the systematic issue and there's the well, I'm happy with my salary. And I'm happy being at this level. I get you see the thing here. Okay, so I've got well, a lot of not, not happy for their, their salary, bro. Man, man, they want to buy Balenciagas, bro. Bro, they're buying Balenciagas. Bro, they're buying Balenciagas. They buy they're getting properties, not just one, they're getting two, they're doing <laughs> other things on the side. Bro, they people that like uh, man are not happy, bro. Man are not happy. They bro, want to man, bro, man, they're more happy. Man are grinding hard, you know. Unless unless they're stunting for us on the gram and whatever, man them are are, are, are showing to us kind of like their content. I think mm. a lot of black men, I don't even know if it's that like their content. I think that a lot of black men will get to a certain stage and then they decide they want to work for themselves and they don't. I mean, I hear a lot of black men is like, oh, I ain't trying to work for no man. Blah, blah, I don't want to work for <laughs> <laughs> a certain stage. They're like, okay, I've made my 100K or whatever. I've made six figures. Now I know this is my base. I'm either, like you said, going to go contracting or I'm going to set up my own shop because I don't want to work for anybody. I want to do, they want to do business. Yeah. So I think. You want to be a fashion designer. <laughs> Shut up! I'll call the police on you. <laughs> hey, low blow. <laughs> <laughs> probably takes us to another day but the nine to five often gets overlooked yep 100%. um and it's just like if you're doing nine to five you, you, it's frowned upon do you know what i mean it's just like everybody wants to be an entrepreneur i say everybody for want of a better word but it's not the nine to five is almost just like oh we don't want to do that we want to be our own boss we want to work for myself i don't want to be waking up at 9 a.m for somebody to tell me what to do i don't want somebody to tell me that i can't go on holiday right now don't boss be kidding even now like people look up to you like the amount of people that will message me and go, you know what, I love not just Real Talk, Real Walk, but I love, you know, as individuals, I love how you guys are. I love watching, you know, Gabs's, you know, Insta stories. He makes me laugh. And I feel like for you, I see you as one that people look up to. And I feel like even if you just encourage people to go, you know what, support black businesses, people will do that. Even a simple tweet from you doing that, I can guarantee you'll get loads of, not just loads of retweets, but it'll actually challenge people to do so. Same for Aura as well. And I feel like we're in a position where we've got a voice that people will listen to. And as we speak, people will definitely listen. It's not by hype. It's by speaking and doing. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. So let's go. Let, let, let me pause it, okay. bro. 
God bless you for that scripture because for the longest time I was thinking, when I ask Ema for a scripture, what scripture is he going to bring within this conversation? <laughs> but yeah, sorry, continue, bro. But yeah, like let's let's not just be hearers of the word, let's be doers of the word. But first, you've got to hear before you can do. And you've got to hear what you hear instructions, you hear the truth. And the truth is what will set you free and set others free and ultimately compel people to take action. So in your space, you know, in your space, if you see bros that are trying to get into it, oh yeah, bro, I see you're trying to get into this industry. Let me help you. Let me look at your CV. You know, guys in your church that maybe want to enter your industry or, or ladies that sisters w- that want to get into your industry. Let me help you. Let me look at your CV. Oh, you want to get into podcasting? I can help you. I can mentor you, which I know you do already. And I know you've done already, but that's the part that you're playing. So you may not be loud. You may not be boisterous. But the point is, you're doing your part. A lot of the stuff, I know that a lot of the stuff you do offline, you don't necessarily shout about it. But I feel like if you need help and support and if you want to grow what you're doing, let people know, especially if it's for you know, a cause that's going to build other people, let other people know, like, if you're doing, like, if you're mentoring, like, people, like, let's say you and, you know, your missus are mentoring people. I know, I didn't, I'm not saying that God has called you to a, a, a couple's ministry or whatever, but bruv, tell other people because there might be other couples that are like, maybe they want to get married soon and they have no one to turn to. Do you understand? True. So, uh, bruv, I'm, I'll, bruv, I'll say, look, look, God and Sarah are doing their thing. Ori and Hubby are doing their thing. In the name of Jesus. Good, uh, good discussion though. Definitely good discussion. Mm-hmm. Definitely got passionate halfway through. Um, <laughs> which is good, which is good, man. Yeah. And I think it obviously shows our frustrations and how much we actually care about this thing that we're dealing with, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's not always passion should be seen as aggressive. It's not always passion should be seen as negative. Mm-hmm. I think it just goes to show how much we do care about the current state of affairs and how much we do care about what's exactly happening at the moment. And I think for me, a lot of my passion probably stems from me having that recent light bulb moment where I literally thought, hold on, man, really been, t- I've been in the trenches like for so long and never knew I was in the trenches. Um, so now nah, it's just like all of the, all of the passions and aggressions have just come out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah, man, I really feel it, boy. Mm-hmm. But no, definitely, definitely a good conversation. But I'm just stalling right now because I'm waiting for email. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, re- I'm ready. Oh. I was waiting for you. To, I was. I was waiting to, for you to um finish. No, yeah. <laughs> James, one twenty-two to twenty-five. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, um, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone, um, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and not just a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So that's self-explanatory, guys. Like, I know, obviously, we didn't, we weren't trying to preach today. It was more of this discussion of what's going on. But right now, we need to be doers of the word. And I think that what's going to make impact right now in, in the world is going to be Christians that actually do what they believe and not just fighting on Twitter and fighting on Instagram and fighting and debating in Bible study, but actually doing what Christ has asked them to do. That's how we're going to, if we want to see change, we first got to be the change that we want to see. So make sure that you, you listen, make sure you analyze, make sure you do. That's perfect, bro. I'm happy to close there, man. 
It's been a great conversation, guys. Thank you for listening. Really do appreciate it. Let's keep the positivity flowing. Let's keep the support going for all of our our black people. Um, Keep on supporting each other's brands, supporting each other's work, supporting everyone in what they're doing as it really does helpful. It really does help for Gab speak English. It really does help. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, by God's grace, we'll get to the place that we need to get to, man. Signing out.